Algar Productions. Algar Productions. You are listening to the Post Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 274, covering Year of Hell Part 2 and Random Thoughts. Hi, friends. We're back. It's we're, us. We're back, and the streak is over. Uh, yeah. Uh, the first one, I still, like, I liked 90% of it. Yeah, I would say I like 95%. Like, we go right up to the end before uh, Year of Hell Part 2 breaks down on us. Yeah, and this is something I've been talking about since very early in the show when we talked about how Voyager could have been better way mm-hmm. back in the day. Oh yeah, this this episode really, these two episodes really represent. It's like a proof of concept of how this show could have been better. Yeah, and then never mind. Yeah, it just. I mean, we'll get to it, but man, that last yeah. oh, that last yeah. five minutes just. Also, also, uh, that well, we'll get to that in a minute too. But really surprised me a certain writer. Uh, not mm. a fan of that. Mm. I don't know if you if you read Memory Alpha. I did not. I am very interested to hear what you have yeah. to tell me. Well, let me let me first tell you what happened, and then we'll discuss. All right. Tell me about Year of Hell Part Two. Part Two. Part Two. Last time on Star Trek Voyager. Time guns! This week of hell is turning into a fortnight of hell, and now several dozen weeks of hell. Tuvok is blind! Neelix is wearing a uniform! What a quarter of hell! Pew pew! Time guns! Abandon ship! And now the conclusion. We rejoin Voyager, hiding in a puddle, its giant gaping hull holes covered by flimsy tarps, and its meals coming from Neelix, who is still wearing a uniform, by the way, and his latest attempts to invent a grosser version of the 21st century miracle product, Soylent. <laughs> Meanwhile, on Kurtwood Smith's evil ship of sinister intentions, well, let me just quote Memory Alpha directly on this. Chakotay, his face grimy and covered in the stubble of a rough goatee, is taken from a holding cell. That's pure poetry, Star Trek wiki nerds. Poetry! Anyway, Chuck and Tom are still on the evil Time Guy ship, and for some reason, Chuck actually sympathizes with Kurtwood Smith's whole obsessive time genocide deal. Tom, in his continuing quest to become a sympathetic character, looks at Chuck like he's nuts, and works out a plan to contact Voyager and get shit back to normal. He really has come a long way, this guy. Back on Voyager, Janeway literally walks through fire to keep the ship going, and the doctor suggests that maybe she should have a little lie down and stop being quite so obsessed. Obviously, they forgot to program him with the knowledge that every Starfleet captain goes a bit Ahab at some point in their careers, and this is all perfectly normal. Still, somehow he manages to get through to her, and she concedes that maybe things might be slightly starting to resemble something along the lines of a wee bit hopeless. So she orders her skeleton crew of senior officers, and Harry, off the (laughs) ship and 9-11's Voyager into Kurtwood Smith's ship. Which undoes all the cool stuff that's happened in the past two episodes, restoring everything back to the way it was, and erasing all memories of lessons learned, friendships forged, and progress made. Voyager, everyone. Oh man, we. You, let's just roll right into the big into your bad thing, okay? Yeah. Also, I appreciate you got to this episode before I did, and usually the rule is you get there first, you get the good thing and bad thing first. And you very graciously said, no, I know you want this. You wanted to talk about it for a long time. Yeah. You can have it. And I appreciate you doing that. I don't mean, look, it's not like it's not like if I give it to you, I can't talk. I have to sit here with my mouth covered, not talking about it at all. No, I know. And there were other bad things. Oh, yeah. But um, I mean, I mean, honestly, like we said, like apart from the last couple of minutes, very good episode. Like we talk about how, you know, Voyage or Star Trek very rarely hits the landing on last on second episodes. And Year Hell, re- like it really works. Like, yeah, it's a it's a good continuation of that first episode until those last couple minutes, and then it mm-hmm. it's just like, uh, oh shit! Look at the time. We gotta be back to normal next week. So, what? Uh, boring bullshit. Yeah, big reset button. Uh huh. And it's just it's like we've talked like, and again, we've talked about this a lot, but. What we want from the show is a sense that these guys are stranded, that they're yeah. in danger, that their resources are limited, that if they fire a torpedo, they can't get that torpedo back and they have one less. Yeah. That if someone gets hurt, they stay hurt. If the ship gets hurt, it stays hurt. Like, all this stuff is cool and it's finally starting to happen. And then, no, everything goes exactly back to normal. Like, Year Hell is just, it's such, like, this is what the series should be like, you know? It's, like, I like 
uh, the whole like keeping to the start the 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 Star Trek ideals. You know, we well, keep that's looking- what I was saying. That's what I was saying last week. Is like that's what keeps it from becoming Battlestar Galactica. Is that you keep the humans hopeful? Yeah, exactly. But the thing with Voyager is that if you're gonna do if you're gonna do the, these guys being abandoned in the middle of uh, Delta Quadrant with no help or anything, that should be hard. And yeah, it that's never, the whole point of the premise. And it never feels difficult, you know? Like, every week these guys are still walking around in their uniforms, having fun on the holodeck and stuff. Like, there's no sense of difficulty or, like, you know? It's just, it's, it's, they might as well be like, like, uh, Kirk's Enterprise out exploring places no one's ever been before, you know? Yeah. But always, like, not really in super danger because they'll have people to help them or they'll figure out a way or, you know. Like, yeah. I, I would love the sense that one wrong decision, like, really, and, and they did that with, with Janeway here. Mm-hmm. Saddle her with the idea that one wrong decision is not just going to hurt you now. It's going to hurt you for the rest of your 75-year yeah. voyage home. Like, you're, you fuck the, like, every tiny decision. And that could wreck someone that isn't strong. Mm-hmm. She is. She'll deal with it. But, like, yeah. If I if I choose this this fork instead of this fork, then that means like I, I, a fork in the road, not literally a fork. Sure. I uh, did think like, you meant. This. Yeah, I'm like, like two what, forks like, on the table what, like for the dinner. Salad fork? Like how worried no, like, about decorum get, are you? You get to a fork in the road and you go northwest instead of northeast. Sure. Like, that that choice could completely ruin or completely make the rest of this very, very long trip and you can't take it back. And yeah. and every choice could be like that. And I, I, you really get a sense of consequences here. And I like that. Mm-hmm. And then I don't like that. I, and <sighs> here, here's the thing I was saying a second ago, though, Brandon Braga, who I, uh, <laughs> everyone who's ever heard me talk for a minute knows is my least favorite guy. Hey, Al, what are your feelings about Brandon Braga? <laughs> no, got to give him like, not just a tiny bit of passing backhanded credit, full on credit. Mm-hmm. Like I've said before, he writes decent character stuff. I don't like his plots is what I don't like. I don't like that he recycles the same tired stuff. I don't like his tenuous grasp on pseudoscience. His weird like, obsession with the thi- like the, the, the things that he's interested in. Right. To the point and, where we keep seeing them over and over again. And it's always pseudoscience. It's always yeah. dreams and things that look like magic and dying, but not really dying mm-hmm. and stuff, stuff that's nowhere close to science. Mm-hmm. But anyway, no, he said, I wanted all these, all these uh, changes to stay. Mm-hmm. That was his main thing was like, no, no. Well, first of all, he wanted this to be like, I think he said four parts. I don't have the article in front of me, but sure. he, he wanted it to be more than two parts. He wanted it to be a good chunk of the season and to really explore the idea. But he also didn't want to undo it at the end. Uh-huh. And uh, I, I believe Berman said, no, you have to. Ugh. You have to put everything back the way it was. And apparently the script even got to the point where it was written and everything stayed. Mm-hmm. I, I Obviously not. Like, things didn't get this bleak. Like, they, they got pretty bleak, but you had to keep the show going. So, you know, it didn't get to completely to the point where Kate had to smash her ship into something. But, right. But the ending was basically, well, we're, we got rid of this guy, but we're still fucked. Yeah. And... Uh, the, the, like it, it wasn't just the thing they discussed in the writer's room. They actually wrote it that way and it came mm-hmm. back and uh, uh, I believe Berman or somebody high up in the studio. Sound, it, I'm going to say it sounds like what I know about Rick Berman. Yeah. I just like, again, I don't that have he's boring and sucks. Uh, yeah. That, that fits his, that is in character for him. I just don't want to misrepresent. Like I don't have it in front of me and I don't want to mm. misspeak, but I do know, I do remember this is a fact that Braga wanted all this stuff to matter. Like the reset button is not his fault. Mm quite the opposite he wanted like he wanted to really dig into this premise and in fact a quote from his bff and our favorite writer ron moore Mm -hmm. said i saw year of hell and it was like yeah that's what this show should be and then you copped out and it's like yeah they sure did yep but but that's the thing the guy who wrote this episode the guy who i have a lot of problems with his writing said no let's let's really dig in and they said no don't do that so ah, (laughs) frustrating I, I keep going back to that that story about uh, about um, the guy. What's his face on DS Nine? Uh, Iris Stephen Bear just be like uh, Berman, just being afraid of him. Oh yeah, yeah. There was that quote from uh, Brian Fuller. Yeah, who's like, I wanted to work on DS Nine, and it was basically a coin flip, and I ended up at Voyager, which is too bad because over on DS Nine. They would say Berman said no, and they would say fuck Berman. We're doing what we want. Yeah, we'll do, we're doing it anyway. Yeah. He's like, that's the show I wanted to be on. Yeah. Which is, that's good. The guy that's going to be running Star Trek now, like, 
thought that. So that's good. Yeah, it's a good sign. Yeah, but really, this could have been like, ah. Yeah, no, there's a lot of potential in Year of Hell. And it's such a good episode. And just, it's, I I love, like, I've really grown to like most of this crew. Most of this crew. More than half. Yeah. To the point where it's like, yeah, I want to see these guys, like, you know, in th- in these predicaments. I'm really, like, you know, I- I'm interested in seeing them be, like, in actual danger for once. And that's to just have that taken away sucks. That's what makes a hero is you really test them. You really yeah. put them in really difficult situations and see how, how they react. And every week, you know, everything's going to be fine and it doesn't matter that much, mm-hmm. you know? And honestly, that kind of feeds into my good thing. Yeah. Which is, okay, by this point in the series, we usually have to say, not don't make the captain your good thing, because by this point in, in maybe not the original series, but definitely Next Gen and DS9, the, the captain is consistently the best thing about the show. Like, by season four, it's absolutely true. And it's true here, but and I usually don't do this, but I really want to call attention to Mulgrew in these episodes, mm. especially this one. Because there's something new here she hasn't played before, which is, she's always played this are we going to get home? Well, I'm the mom, so I got to put a good face on this. But it's it's ratcheted up now, and now it's, I know we're fucked, and I can't show them that, but we are so fucked. Mm-hmm. And, like, up until the very end where she sends everyone else away so she can risk her life on their behalf, mm-hmm. it's just, it, she's so beaten down, but she won't give up. And and it all it all comes together. It's all represented for me, and this was this must have been deliberate. When she says to the doctor, like, uh, he, he tries to relieve her of duty and she's like, I no, you can't <laughs> go ahead. Court martial me. Yeah, we what are you gonna do? Al- she says, if we get back to the alpha quadrant, you can court martial me. And that's significant. She says, if we get back, she's yeah. been saying when we get back since the beginning, the, in that scene, she said, if we get yeah. back and, and that really like, Ooh, like very subtle, but I caught it. Mm-hmm. And that is like this Janeway, which is now, I guess, an alternate reality Janeway, whatever. But <laughs> But Mulgrew really sold this this complex balance oh, of, yeah. like, I've given up, but I can't let them see I've given up, but I've clearly given up. And it's it's so good. Yeah. No, there's a bit at the end, right before things go off the rails, um, when she boots Tuvok off the off the bridge. And it's a, again, it's a really nice moment. And it, I, again, I think to myself, this would be a good place to end the series. I don't yeah. know why I don't know why the show ins- keeps insisting on ending the show before the show ends, but uh, it's a thing that keeps popping up now. <laughs> it's like, well, this is our last Kate moment. What? Oh, she- uh, memory Alpha's been keeping a count, and I don't remember the count off the top of my head of how many times Janeway has died, mm-hmm. and it's a lot. Oh man, I I hadn't really put that together, but thinking back, it's like, yeah, I guess she has. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of, well, there's that Braga thing. There's a lot of alternate realities. Yeah. And the thing is, I don't mind alternate realities in and of themselves. I'm kind of tired of them now, but like for a while, like I didn't mind the mirror universe for a bit, but Mm -hmm. I got a little sick of it. And I like yesterday's enterprise. Like there's examples of it working, Mm -hmm. but this, it's just, it's that maddening. We watched something really cool and now it didn't matter. And it's not like that takes away my enjoyment of the episode Mm -hmm. because I'm still going to remember 95% 95% of this fondly, but I, the the very next episode, I'm thinking, wait, why can Tuvok see? Oh, right, because that didn't yeah. happen. Let me ask you this. I was thinking about this while I was watching the episode. How would you feel if the episode ends and everything's back to normal, but they still remember it happening? Uh, I think that's a one-up on... That would be better. That would be better. Like... Because one of the things I like is the developing relationships, particularly Seven being more integrated into the crew, Seven being more fr- like friendly with Tuvok. Yeah. And we lost all that now. It's a good, it's good, like, it's really, it would be really good shorthand to sort of, like, at least move those relationships along, so at least that mattered. Yeah. But and I it, just... That way, that way they've all been through this stuff. There's just, there's nothing more infuriating than just suddenly we're back on a very clean bridge and everyone's sort of, you know, just chatting to themselves. And it's like, it's, it, the episode never happened. And I hate that. I hate, like, I don't care how good the episode is if it doesn't, like... Like, it just, it feels like you wasted my time, you know? Well, I don't know, because on the other hand, there's that whole thing whenever comics reboot, which yeah. is quite a lot. When you got the knee-jerk reaction of people saying, well, I guess all my comics don't count. Well, well no. no. The stories are still there. You yeah. can still enjoy them. And I'm trying to take that approach here. This story still, 
Like we still for for like 85 out of the 90 minutes had a good, enjoyable mm-hmm. story. This doesn't take that away, but it takes away the impact on the rest of the series. Yeah. It takes away. And I mean, like, you know, having, like, having them just wake up from this and just, like, oh, God, what the, oh, God. And just well, I mean, remembering everything up, that happens, you know. Wake up is a good, is a good way to say it, because it basically was all a dream. Yeah, I guess that's true. It, it's, it's, we've always hated, and I think I can speak for both of us when I say we've always hated, it was all a dream, it was all a test. Anytime characters go through an arc or any kind of growth at all and then it's erased it's like nothing ever happened it doesn't count like it's just the thing i'm tired of seeing i don't know it's just you know this is a this is a great episode that just yeah whizzed it down its leg didn't happen yep no and and it's annoying because it's really it it represents like i've said this all along it represents everything voyager could have been and everything that's wrong with Voyager, all in just like a nice ninety-minute package. Because mm-hmm. like, here's here's the show you could have made. No, here's the show you did make. Yeah, which is just super unfortunate. Yeah, I much prefer the show they could have made. Yeah, it was for a brief minute we saw. Wow, this this could have been. What if what if Tuvok stayed blind? Yeah. What if like half the ship was just uninhabitable? Mm-hmm. I love the. I said this last week. I love the look of busted ass Voyager. I mean, it's a little too dark, like you pointed out. Well, yeah, but like the 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 exterior. Oh, there was some great effects. Oh yeah, there was some outstanding. Like, there's a giant hole in the bridge. That was so. I love that shot so much. When Kate's just sitting on the bridge, and there's just a massive hole, and it's where the view screen is. It's a fucking great shot. Yeah, and the thing is, like visually, it's not easy to distinguish the like to to portray the difference between there's normally a screen here and you're just looking out into space but they uh-huh. pulled it off oh yeah and it was it was great and the, there's a lot of of course at one point there was a hole in the hull and like nebula was leaking in so there was like smoke that didn't mm. really make sense <laughs> <laughs> but i was willing to forget Get out of here nebulon <laughs> nobody likes your style and i can't replicate replicate that noise yeah i, I know the noise you mean though but it was it, like Everything just got bleaker and bleaker, and it's yep. not that I want the show to be bleak necessarily. No, I have I have Battlestar Galactica for that, but uh, we had DS Nine for that. Yes, but again, I think what make what would make it a, a quintessentially Star Trek show is that these guys don't lose hope. Yeah, like they they keep their chipper like future man like maybe not full on smug future man, but no, like like we can survive this because we're humans and humans are great. That's what would make it Star yeah. Trek. We're gonna perse- we're gonna persevere, just like Crow in a double jock lock. I don't know what that is. Oh, so the MST I, reference. I, I mean, so I got the- that. But uh, and Crow puts himself in a double jock lock to see if he can get out, and he can't. I don't know what. It's that where is. you pull your underwear over your head or something. Uh, I thought it was some kind of WrestleMan. Oh no. Ah, very well. Uh, let's. Uh, what was your good thing? Uh, I love. Um, I love uh, Clarence Boddicker's little banquet at the beginning of the episode, which oh, is just yeah. made up of, like, foods from civilizations that he's destroyed, and they, like, they're the last remnants of stuff that, ne- like, just never existed. Um, that's a really legitimately cool idea. It is, it's like a sci-fi twist on stories where you have, like, these are all extinct animals and we're eating the last of them. Yeah, exactly. No, there's, um, like, uh, uh, Paris takes, like, a bite of some, I don't know, like a a soup or something. I don't know. Uh-huh. You know, a bite of a soup. But um, and uh, the uh, Kurtwood Smith, like, yeah, that uh, that's the last remnants of a soup from the soup on planet that I eliminated uh, fifty years ago. And he just sort of looks up, like, oh. But it's not like these people are dead. They never existed. Yeah, this is like this is stuff that never should have existed or that never existed. Right. Because I destroyed it with my insane time ship. Yeah, and we've got this little pocket of reality that preserves, like, stuff that we had yeah. before that happened. And, uh, yeah, it is a cool idea. And I Chuck. Like, like, I still. Oh, go ahead. And Chuck's like, this guy seems trustworthy. Uh, well, that, that goes right into your bad thing. <laughs> well, go ahead with your thing first, and we'll get into that. I, I, I was just a joke. Oh, okay. Go. go ahead. Oh, well, we don't want any of those on our comedy podcast. It wasn't that good. I forgot it. <laughs> um, yeah, so, like. About halfway through the episode, we got Chuck and Chuck and Tom are still on the the time ship, and Chuck really starts siding with the the Kurtwood Smith. Like, 
It's just like, yeah, ah. I was gonna I was gonna lay into this pretty heavy in my summary, but the, like I I didn't want to take away from you because this is yeah. Like he, he, they start, you know, discuss like discussing stuff, and Chuck starts like siding with this guy. Like, what are you doing? You, you, a native Amer- like a Native American person, by the way, mm-hmm. are siding with a guy who commits genocide, who has committed genocide many times. Like, you think this guy can be reasoned with? He spent two hundred years killing untold billions of people. What part of that screams reasonable to you? What? What is wrong with you? Must all of your decisions be boring or stupid? Jeez. Also wildly inconsistent. Like, right? The dude is all weeks, over the map. Most weeks he's like, let's not fight. Like, we shouldn't fight. There's a better option. And yeah. like, I, I was kind of coming to like that, but yeah. they, they they often just don't do that to the point where it doesn't feel like that's how he is. Ah. Like, uh, uh, th- Chuck, you're like... Th- Honestly, they should they should be switching these two guys. Like this, Paris should be all like, "Yeah, no, we should like we should do whatever we can so I can get back to my hot girlfriend." Yeah, and you know, there's making a, things cool again. There's a bit of that in the next episode, mm-hmm. actually, but not not enough. But like, there's a bit of I want to do some unreasonable stuff because I'm in love, and like, I actually kind of like that about him because like, you would like, yeah, he's gotten to be a lot better. He still feels impulsive and like he would do stupid things. Only now he'd do stupid things in the name of love. And yeah, I, exactly. I, I like that. Yeah, it like, feels in character. Like what? This is it's just it's so completely out of character, and it doesn't make any sense for the Chicote's wildly all over the map character. But he's supposed to be like the core of it. If you looked in the series Bible, I think he's supposed to be, if not a full-on pacifist, at least a only fight when it's the absolute last option. Like. Let, let's all reason our way through this thing, and I I like that. Okay, well, in, in someone theory. someone should have mentioned that to me along the lines because this is the first I'm hearing of it. I think it's a great idea for the character. No, it's come up occasionally, and in some episodes they've they've done it. And it was like, yeah, that's a good direction to go. And then the next episode they completely contradict. Yeah, it, and then the next and then the, in the next episode he's fucking leading a war uh, a war among the trunks with the trembled. <laughs> yeah. Come on, Matt. Wrestle your trembles. Uh, I don't want to wrestle my trembles. Do you not want to fathom that episode anymore? I w- will spend the rest of my life trying to unfathom that episode. <laughs> it's eh. the thing is, he doesn't just like agree to go along with him. He puts on one of their uniforms, yeah. and starts doing the like uh, uh, experiments to see, like. Basically, uh, 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 Kurtwood Smith says, "Sure, you like do some of these simulations. See if you can figure out how to untangle time. Like, yeah. I I can't solve this mystery. Can you? And, uh, and uh, like, it's this whole he becomes his assistant. Thing. Yeah, it's not. It's not like he's trying to trick him to escape. He full on gets into it and is like, yeah, you're my new dad. Let's, yeah, no, let's th- do th- science and genocide people. This maniac, this maniac mass murderer has some really good ideas. I think we should listen to." Does what he? is wrong with you? <laughs> also, you have a secondary bad thing, which I completely agree with as well. Also, uh, he references how time is angry at him. Uh-huh. He's, there's a point where he goes to the, there's a point where he goes to, to Chuck. And he's like, you don't understand time the way I do. Time has emotions and feelings. Time is angry at me, and I'm watching. I'm like, time is angry at you, huh? Well, we don't get more much more of a Brandon Braga concept than that. He he. There's a whole like monologue he has. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also uh, references the the color of time. Yep. At one point, like wh- what? Uh huh. Does he have that synesthesia thing where you perceive different sensory inputs as different? Like that you can see uh, see smells and and hear colors and stuff. <laughs> I mean, that would explain a lot, honestly. Yeah. Also, at one point, I think Chakotay says to him, I wrote down the quote, but I didn't write down who, say, who said it, but I'm pretty sure it's Chakotay said, you seem to understand the subtleties of time. <laughs> he really doesn't. <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny to me, but goddamn. The thing is, I, and I this ties into what I said last week, I still think he's, like, the gun that you shoot at things that makes time change is goofy. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of what you're saying here is goofy. And yet, despite all that, I think this might be the best villain we've seen on on Voyager. So. Oh, absolutely. Like, Kurtwood Smith's a great actor. This yeah. is a character who I, like, this is a character who I has motivations that make a lot of sense to me. I think they're still a little flimsy and kind of two-dimensional, but the actor elevates that. Mm-hmm. Like, 
Great look. I even like his alien makeup quite a bit. Like he's got like weird patches on the side of his patches on the side of his head. That I um, didn't really care for that. I know you said you liked his like bump horns. It looks like he yeah. It looks like he's growing horns. Yeah, I I thought it was like I I like the full on like crazy mm. alien makeup over the the let's slap something on their makeup. Well, Al, I'm myself. afraid I'm afraid we spent all the budget on making Voyager all blown up. So ah, uh, you know what? That's that's totally fine. <laughs> we get some human ass aliens this week. Although the, making the ship dark meant they did cut some corners. Like when when Kate and I I was being serious really walked through a bunch of fire and yep. burned seventy five percent of her body or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that really happened, and the doctor said, yeah, we don't have all the cushy technology we had when the ship was nice, and I don't have a dermal regenerator, and so you're going to be burned and scarred to hell now. Yeah. Which was cool, but the ship was so dark, I could never see that. Mm. I basically had to take their word for it that the captain was all scarred to hell, and I, they, they didn't really show much of it. Uh, I'm not going to lie, it was a pretty badass scar. Like, you look no, at I, the definition of badass scar, and it's there right under the one that goes over your eye. What what we saw of it was cool. Mm-hmm. It's just the way he described it was that she should look like fucking Anakin after he fell into the lava. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, Which she does look like when she's burned. Like yeah, but we don't see very much of that. No, he still cleans her up pretty well. Like yeah, um, no, and I again, it comes back to her being great and and having her like all the Star Trek captains, all of them have had this moment. I yeah. assume Archer will as well. Like this Ahab, I'm not giving up. Fuck you. I'm I'm gonna complete my mission thing. Yeah. I also, while we're on the topic of cat, of uh, cat on fire, um, so as she's heading, she heads down to the room that's like where there's something she has to turn on or off or whatever, yeah. right? And someone goes, Captain, there's a level f- four hazard level in that room. You can't go in there. Apparently, uh, level four hazard is Starfleet code for completely on fire. Yep. So just so we're clear here, and I'm. I- I've never really understood fire on a starship because they they take a large amount of energy, effort, and, and just, like, engineering to give the ship oxygen. Mm-hmm. It's super easy to take it away. Like, fire on a spaceship should be the easiest problem to solve in the world. I mean, well, we're talking about a universe where I have seen actual spaceships on fire in space. In space. So, yeah. That's, yeah. that's true. We're not exactly playing with the laws of physics here. Right, that's that's a fair point. Mm-hmm. Although um, I guess if the fire was inside the shields, maybe eh. um, there shouldn't be a bubble of oxygen outside the ship. No, that seems wasteful. We've seen people out there doing maintenance and stuff, and they have to wear suits. Yeah. So, um, back to the the time travel guy thing, though. Oh yeah. I, oh yeah. That there, guy. There's, there's a really good like whole scene between. I mean, like it's it's not good. For the reasons you already called out, that mm. Chuck agrees with him. I don't get that. At all. But but when they're going over what they're doing, like, okay, change this one small thing. And, at, like, there's a there's actually a pretty cool illustration of these threads that are mm. all intertwined on their, on their computer simulation thing. And you can see how erasing one tangles the rest of them up. And the, the example is Chakotay says there's this comet that if we make it not exist, mm-hmm. then Voyager wouldn't have veered around it and never would have even been in this part of space and everything would be fine for us. Yeah. And destroying that comet meant that uh, some organic material from the comet never uh, seeded some worlds that then evolved races. So then a whole bunch of people never existed. And like, it's, like, it's that whole butterfly effect thing. Mm-hmm. It's the whole one tiny thing affects so many other things. And I, I actually really like that a lot. Yeah. But on the other hand, the method of their time stuff is like, okay, don't maybe don't erase the comet from existence. Maybe just like erase it from the last five years. Yeah, why don't we like, you know, or move the comet? How about that? Because the whole issue is how it affects Voyager recently. Like, let's let's not fuck with it a long time ago when it affected uh, evolution, but maybe yeah. just, just last week. Yeah, how about that? Let's just... But you I know, guess their time gun could only way. make things not exist, and that's mm-hmm. all the time things it can do, I guess. I don't know. Well, you know what they say. When when you have a time gun, everything looks like a time... Nail? Bullet? Time... <laughs> How do you put in nails? With a gun? I, I mean, I used to see Fry do it all the time on uh, on Futurama, so... Oh, no, that's he uses another nail. <laughs> oh, that's right. A nail and another nail to nail it in with. <laughs> Uh, anything else? Um, let me just have a look at my notes. There was here. a lot of really cool stuff. Oh yeah, no, I want to like we bitch a lot, but this uh, on the whole, this is still a great episode. Yeah, 
A great two episodes. Mm-hmm. One of the better two part. If you ignore the ending, yeah, no, one of the better two parters in all of modern Star Trek. Well, all of Star Trek because yeah. the original didn't do two parters really. Yeah, heartily so, recommend uh, uh, this one. Yeah, I just turn it off. Turn it off at like the forty minute mark, well, and then you're good. See here. Oh yeah. By the way, um, just before we before we go, mm-hmm. didn't actually make a full year of hell. Uh, that's fair. I mean, it's close enough. The thing is, if it had been exactly 365 days, that would have felt a little, uh, little contrived to me. Mm. So I don't know. I'm okay with that. 266. That's Almost, still, you know. Almost made might, it. That might be a Vulcan year. That's a chunk of hell. Maybe, maybe Tuvok named it. This is the like, year of hell. That's, also, that's I'm blind. It's a Vulcan year. Mm. All right, or like a, a board year. <laughs> is that is that how, is that why they're so why they're all so old? Like, yes, that's exactly it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, going into my quote, I want to set this up real quick. Mm. Um, Jay, I, I what I went with. I'm gonna go ahead and play this now. Is is uh, what Janeway says before she crashes her ship into into the big time gun. Mm-hmm. Times up, which is the first. Of about 6,000 time puns they wrap up the episode with. Yeah, basically, um, if you're watching, uh, once she says this, it's time to bail. Yeah, because after that, he's like, uh, well, that could take a year. And I guess we don't have time for that. Ugh. It just goes, it keeps going. And it's like, guys, maybe one. But, I, oh, God. I just want the episode to end on like just a, just a flat shot of seven looking into the camera going, time. <laughs> do you get it? Time. We we do get this scene at the end where everything goes back to normal and everything's great for Kurtwood Smith, and I didn't like that. No. I didn't like everything is fixed for him because now he's got his family back again. Yeah. Kurtwood but Smith just wants his kids back. <laughs> but I could save, save it for the time gun, Tom Jane. But, um, <laughs> I, I didn't pick up on this. I Memory Alpha had to point this out to me. Apparently, what he's working on at the very end is time calculations. Like, maybe he's still out there doing his thing. Oh, okay. See, I thought, if that's the case, I thought that, like, the fact that his wife lured him away from working on them was, like... Yeah, that could be significant. Maybe now he won't do it. What he said, like, he, the actor, said, I really enjoyed this. It was a good episode. If they bring me a script that strong again, I'd love for them to bring my guy back. Mm, That'd be cool. Like, I I think his read on that was they were leaving the door open in case they wanted to bring him back. Yeah. Because he was, I mean, for, for, you know, we're well into season four now, the best villain they've had so far. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, Species 7, 2, 6, they're, they're pretty good, too. But as, as a villain with a face and a personality, he's yeah. definitely the best one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd be fine with that. I, he's not coming back. But No, he's not. But the the uh, the assumption from a lot of people was that they, they wanted to, mm-hmm. which is why they did that at the end there. Anyway, I would love to spend the full hour just talking about this one because the other one did not yeah. please me in any way. But uh, why, why don't you tell us all about uh, Random Thoughts? Not even a good title, by the way. <laughs> nope. Okay, so after the problems of the last episode, which the crew does not remember, Voyager is in need of some shore leave, which they take on yet another fucking paradise planet. This one has removed crime, not by making weird sections of the planet, specifically greenhouses, illegal, but by making violent thought illegal. As someone who routinely wishes random violence on strangers on a regular basis, I can honestly say that I would not enjoy this planet. After a random lout crashes into Annie and her bad mood results in a bystander beating up another bystander with, an over- with a comical oversized club, she is arrested and threatened with lobotomization. And this is Star Trek, so that doesn't mean they're going to turn her into Lobot, which would rock. Detective Tuvok investigates and stumbles upon a black market feelings racket and goes undercover with, with his dark memories of strangling Neelix. Then he blows the lid off the whole thing and reports back to the local constabulary, who had no who has no idea how to solve actual crimes. Anyway, Tuvok saves Annie. The correct creeps are jailed, and the Federation crosses yet another bizarre planet with insane laws off of its list of places to go on vacation. Next stop, the planet where having lungs is a form is a form of theft. Here we go again. Oh no! <laughs> also, I, I applaud your use of the word lout. <laughs> He is. He's a common lout. I did. I didn't think that when I saw the guy, but retroactively thinking back, yeah, that's a lout. Well spotted, Matt. <laughs> that's a load of lout right there, just crashing his way through everyone's life. That's some excellent lout spotting you've yep. done there. Well, if the, I, I am, if nothing else, an excellent lout spotter. So yeah, I'm gonna cross uh, that lout off of my lout spotters list. 
so this episode was about about selling thoughts and feelings and like i really i I wish we were still doing that old bit that we did back in the original series of alternate titles because i would have called this can i borrow a feeling (laughs) you're looking like a jerk yeah that's you i you do not get more season three voyager than this okay like fuck it first terrible title by the way the thing is, season three is where all the bad ones are concentrated, but these episodes are sprinkled throughout. Like this is this is Voyager. Yeah, but at this point, I think I can I can point at random thoughts and go, "That's a season three episode." It's not in it's not in season three, but no, it's no, a I season three saying. episode. But there were there were episodes like this in one and two also. Like yeah. th- th- this was what I was dreading about Voyager: mm-hmm. planets where people sell thoughts and like thinking something bad is a hate crime or something. I don't know. Like, and I mentioned it this. I mentioned it in the in the uh, summary. This is just fucking justice all over again. I've seen oh, this. Yeah. It wasn't done that. It doesn't wasn't done well then either. But that doesn't mean you should try again. Well, it means you I, should try better. This, this goes into my bad thing. This has happened a lot across. It might have even happened in the original series. Like it's Oh, not, it did. It, it's a lot of Star Trek. Is planets where normal human activity causes mm. some kind of serious disruption. It's like nobody ever thinks ahead and like reads. Like, let's read the Wikipedia page about this planet. Oh, violent thoughts are bad. Okay, maybe we should just send Tuvok because he can control his thoughts and nobody else. Like, maybe maybe this isn't the best planet to send everyone else. Mm-hmm. And there's even a, a couple of moments, there's two scenes, where Seven says, why do you Federation types keep going to these planets and keep getting into trouble like this? And Kate says, oh, because that's what we do. It all works out. It's fine. Like, okay, first of all, Kate's not that stupid. No, she's not. Second of all, Seven, like, j- making a character aware of your terrible plot does not make it better. No, and it like, totally felt like that's what they were trying to do. It's like, she see if turned, Seven says it. Yeah, she turned to us and said, we know this is stupid. <laughs> and and Janeway said, but we do it anyway. Like, uh, Shrug. <laughs> but, like, Justice is the, the quintessential bad example of it. You're right. But we've been to a lot of other planets where... We didn't look at some detail about the way this this planet works, and now we're stuck here. Yeah, and now we got to rescue one of our guys. Like, uh, like I know we did almost this exact episode with Tom Paris, like a, a season or two ago, mm-hmm. where they thought he murdered some chick's husband, as I recall. Yeah, that yeah, and that was stupid. Like every time they get embroiled in some, like get arrested by alien cops, it's dumb. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, just. It's tired. It's played out, and it's never interesting. Yeah, it's just it just it makes it no matter what happens, it always just makes the crew look stupid. Yeah, and that I I hate that so much. And like, again, like they didn't do any preparation. Like you don't like look at what this culture's like before you visit it. That seems like a really bad idea. Yeah, like easiest thing in the world is just like hey we're hey we're coming down to your planet for sure, Liv. You want to send us up a uh, you know your uh, your top ten rules or you know, just stuff we should be aware of. You know, yeah, like a brochure, something. And anything. like the, the the cop chick seemed very nice. I'm sure she would have happily sent it along to them. Yeah. Just like, oh, by the way, we have we have a thing about, uh, you know, violent thoughts, so just watch out for that. Oh, okay, we'll um, maybe not stay then. We'll certainly not send the half-Klingon with a, with a you <laughs> know, hair-trigger temper down, but also we'll, maybe not most humans either. Mm-hmm. We'll send you Neelix. That guy doesn't get upset about anything. <sighs> oh, boy. You want to get into some Neelix stuff? Oh, I sure don't. Well... We need to address this. So, do we? Do we need to address? I don't think yes. we do need to address this. It's the hairy little elephant in the room, Matt. Oh, God, you just... There, there's a whole scene in the in the, in the teaser where they're go, preparing to go down to the planet, and he's excited because he's got a lady friend down there. Mm-hmm. And we get into his whole, like, weird... It's not even that weird. It's, it's just someone petting his hair. But it's very clearly uh, foreplay. Uh-huh. And he's so into it, it's like fucking Umox again. Only yeah, yeah. It's Neelix, so it's worse. No, it's a. They're, I don't know if I mentioned it. They're a planet of psychic people. And mm-hmm. she turns to Neelix and goes, "Why do you want me to tug on your on your whiskers? Oh, mm-hmm. what? I don't know what you're talking about. No, you do. You're thinking about it quite a lot. Uh, it, it's a sex thing. Yeah, and the way they play it up, it is clearly a sex thing. Uh huh. And they they spend a lot of time in the early part of the episode because that's the that's the light whimsical part before things get serious. Uh-huh. It's supposed to be, but it's uh, I uh, dear Voyager. Yeah, I can put up with a lot. I really can. I have put up with a lot. 
Um, in, in a in a in a grown up ensemble show, I'm willing to explore the sex lives of most characters, but please do not explore the sex life of this character. I please ever ever. I don't. I, I don't want to know. Like I don't. Know, I don't want to know about the clown's sex life. Please. Like even if I had to, I'd watch an episode about Harold Harold's sex life. I don't want to, but if I had to, I would. But uh, well, then we just read about how Garrett Wang uh, complained about how about how little sex he got to have in it. Yeah, that's true, and how the women weren't hot enough. Mm. <laughs> that, that that's our Garrett. Ugh. I just please no 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 Neelix sex ever. Okay, please please ever no. love Matt now. Yeah, I don't know love. It's a little strong. Uh, sincerely. Yeah. From yeah. let's go from. <laughs> Yours in Christ usually works. <laughs> that's a, that's an old standby that flunk introduced into our repertoire quite some time ago. Oh man. Uh, oh, by the way, the the cop chick you're talking about, who actually was a like as reasonable a character from a planet of stupid people can mm. be. Yeah, uh, she was she was played by one of the Duras sisters. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, I don't know if it was Lursa or Beethoven. One I them, couldn't but, tell because she wasn't yelling and spitting. Yeah, I I kind of recognized her voice. I won't say it, it set off my like voice alarm like a lot of people do, ah. but I kind of recognized it and I looked it up and yeah, and she said, yeah, I was happy. Like, I enjoy doing Star Trek, and it, I enjoy doing Star Trek even more when I don't have to be in the makeup chair for three hours. Fair. Although, as and, my good thing, uh, she's got some pretty kick-ass uh, TARDIS cosplay going on. I didn't catch that. She had a blue dress, was that? She had a, well, it was the blue dress, but she also had, like, a weird thing in her hair, or, um, like, it was, I don't know if it was a hat or whatever, but it looked like the, 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 the... the Top of the TARDIS that like you the always square top of the when, yeah, okay. whenever you see that. whenever you see a lady in a in a uh, TARDIS cosplay they've always got the, the little top thing right the little cap yeah the little cap but I'm just watching my nah, Tedra did it better <laughs> fair enough I, has she ever actually done the, the I, TARDIS one I don't I don't know that. if she has or not but in my head it seems like something she would have done well yeah Tedra write it and tell us <laughs> or just you know tell us because yeah. we talk to you regularly I guess that's also that. true. Yeah, uh, th- that that was all you could find, huh? Like, yeah. good thing wise was the decent costume you liked. Yeah, because it reminded you of a thing that you also liked. Yeah, it was a rough one. I look, th- this is my good thing says this. <laughs> I even wrote this down because this is a tough one. I don't know if it was the run of mostly good episodes being broken or my mood the day I watched the episode or what, but it really bugged me a lot. Like I was yelling at this episode early. And I'm struggling to think of a good thing. And I got, like, almost nothing. Mm. Like, there's, like, the best thing I could come up with was a cute little scene with Kate. Like, with the telepaths, they're like, I sense you're willing to pay 300 Oh, yeah? Well, I sense you're willing to take 200 <laughs> And it, that, that was a, like, nice, like, one line of dialogue. Yep. But, like, it was a cute moment where she's like, yeah, I'm not going to let your telepathy, like, uh, intimidate me. I'm still, I'll play your stupid game and I'm not going to be overcharged. Yeah. I like that. It was a nice little Kate moment. Mm-hmm. That, that That's all I got. Yeah, that's pretty much... This is, like... It's not infuriatingly bad, you know? Like, it's not one of those ones I'm going to get... If you look at my notes, there's no, you know... There's no long strings of, uh, ex- of uh, exclamation points or uh, uh, capital letters. Oh, there's a few, actually. Um, yeah, I got some. But, I mean, like, it's not the kind... It's not, the, it's not one of the ones where I get furious. It's just dumb and... It felt like kind of a waste of our time. Well, like we've seen like, this before. They're not introducing anything new. That light, that's what I was going to say. Like so many bad Voyager episodes, and and uh, bad Next Gen, and occasionally bad DS Nine episodes too. But mm. more Voyager. It's a pastiche of so many things we've seen before, and offering nothing new. Yeah. And it felt like it was trying to do some kind of social commentary about I don't know, like censorship or something. Like like the thought police kind of thing, yeah. But it, it didn't really work. No, and the concept of people like um, trading in dark thoughts, which they called dark thoughts repeatedly, as if they were oh, yeah. like the emo kid in grade in tenth uh, grade. Um, <laughs> j- I've got, they must have I've, read. They, they must have read my blog, Dark Thoughts. You don't understand me. I've got all these dark thoughts. Uh huh. That's called puberty, son. Yeah. Go jerk off. You'll be fine. <laughs> Or go tug on your whiskers. Yeah. I will say, um, one thing I did enjoy, uh, uh, there's a part where, um, Chuck's, or not Chuck, Tom's trying to break, uh, like, he goes up to the bridge and he starts talking to Chakotay about, uh, breaking Bolana out. 
Just like, mm-hmm. why are we dealing with these people? Let's just get her out of there. And he actually goes like, all right, well, right now the captain's dealing with it, but like, go write me up a plan and we'll, f- if, you know, if, if that doesn't work, we'll do this. But I, I like the follow up on that, which is Tom saying, you're not going to do my plan. You're just trying to keep me busy, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> like that, that actually was good. <laughs> but I like, Tom's- I, I like Chakotay just be all like, look, give it a shot. I I I feel like I my interpretation was we're not going to use your plan but here go uh go see a Star Wars. <laughs> I made a good plan, Chakotay. Oh, yeah. Well, we already let rescued Bolana. Oh. I like this had me swinging in on a rope holding a gun. <laughs> I mentioned this in the previous episode. I do like Tom's impulsiveness here. Mm. I do like that he wants to go rescue cuz he's still hot and heavy with her. Like oh, yeah. he's still in the early part of like I'll do anything for her and like I, I like that. But on the other hand, we have like three different scenes of him doing that. And it feels weirdly out of place because nothing ever comes of it. Mm-hmm. Like one scene of that would have been good, but he does it to the captain. He does it to Chakotay. And then he brings it up again on the bridge when yeah. the captain's talking to someone from the planet. And it's like, that's a bit too much when this is not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And also, I, I don't know. I like, there was a lot of stating what the conflict was and then, going to the next scene and restating, like they were basically using him to say, we have a disagreement with these people and we have to get Milana back. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I understand the stakes. Mm-hmm. And then he'd just do it again. Like I, I already got it. Thanks. Just, yeah. I will say I like this Tom, but like we, we talked about this oh, earlier, yeah. like I, I'm liking this version of Tom a lot better than old Tom. I, I am kind of tired, and I'm glad he didn't go actually rescue her because I really thought yeah that would have been too. that would have been I'm tired of the Starfleet guy going off and and doing a thing and like I'm Just, glad he didn't we, do that. we got this okay Kate's in charge here fucking settle down yeah get get your shit together there get was a together. lot of there's a lot like most most episodes I don't like have a have an air of smugness to them yeah and this society mostly through the cop chick was very smug about, oh, yeah. oh, we've got we've got violence taking, we don't have violence anymore, mm-hmm. we're perfect. There's a scene where uh, 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 she, Tuvok's taking her on a tour of the Brit, or of the ship, and he takes her to the bridge, and she's like, oh, a Brit, or, sorry, a, the brig, not the bridge. Right. This is very different. Yeah. <laughs> and she just goes, oh, a brig, how barbaric. You guys yeah. are gross. Hey, I'm, shut up. I'm so sick of that. Like, I, I, it's not a bad way to write aliens in a thing, but Star Trek has done it to death. Mm-hmm. And it's well, just like, we're better than you. Shut up. Well, I think that's like, you know, if you talk to someone who wasn't a big Star Trek fan, like, I think that's one of the things that puts a lot of people off Star Trek, especially yeah. like 90s uh, next gen to Voyager Star Trek, is the, 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 it, that smugness, you know? The preachiness. The, yeah. Because what they're really saying is, like, modern earth mm. is bad and one day it'll be better either yeah. the way these aliens do it or the way these future men do it it'll be better yeah it's something we talk a lot about in um our least hit favorite episode of all time uh what fucking hat guy robs a bank um yeah, that one it's just like well things are th- things used to be bad and now they're better and we yeah, don't no, that, that's it we don't want to tell you how things got better the whole smug preachiness thing yeah. no she says how they got better but and one of the things I really didn't like was how out of character I felt Tuvok was. Oh, yeah. Because, like, he, like, okay, I I sometimes like when they play up a Vulcan as, like, yeah, these humans don't know what's going on, but you guys got to figure it out. Like, mm. that's okay to a point, but he took it to a whole new level where he's like, yeah, I don't agree with Briggs either. You guys, I want to do it the way you do it. Like, you guys I, are li- like me. That's not Tuvok from, like, no, the thing that's is, not the Tuvok okay. I know. <laughs> The thing is, he is a Vulcan, mm-hmm. but Vulcan is part of the Federation, and I feel like any Vulcan who's integrated into the Federation understands that there are other cultures and respects the other cultures yeah, it is. and doesn't Infinite feel like to... they all... Yeah, exactly, exactly. And like, that's so a Vulcan philosophy. they don't all have to be like us. Yeah. Right. No, you're <laughs> that, absolutely right. Then again, Tuvok is kind of a jerk. He is, but I don't feel like he's a he's a, a, a fascist jerk like Odo. No. I feel like his best friend is a human, and... While he's sometimes got tendencies to kind of sneer or roll his yeah. eyes at humans, overall, he's like, yeah, I get the way they are, and I have to just kind of correct for that. Yeah. Now, Odo, I would totally believe just, if you could all just put a damn chip in your head so that you didn't do any goddamn crimes anymore, that'd be fucking great. Yeah, exactly. But that's his, like, 
That's his uh, founder program, yeah. too, which I like. I missed you, Odo Voice. I don't get to do you anymore. <laughs> Quark. God damn it. <laughs> Quark. That's what differentiates it from the Bones voice, because otherwise it's exactly the same. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you can southern up the bone vo- Bones voice a little. Yeah, I, I If you're a skilled mimic, which neither of us clearly are. I, I try to go for the uh, Carl Urban Bones, because yeah, yeah. That, that's a bad accent, and yeah. I can do a bad accent. Jim. Jim. Your name is Jim. My wife took everything but my bones. <laughs> oh, yeah. dear. But I just, I, Tuvok felt a little out of character to me, and it just, like, it bugged me, because I feel like he should know better. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, just that wild, just, you know, we praise the writers except for when they forget what their characters they've developed are actually like. Yeah, but the characters are usually the part we like. Yeah, it, it is. It's just when they forget what they're supposed to act like. The, this Or have happen. no idea, like Chuck. Yeah, that's true. But it doesn't happen terribly often. Like, when when we get to the end of this and we have to sort of total up, okay, what was really wrong with Voyager? Yeah. What did they get wrong? And I wouldn't say consistently the characters are out of out of character. Like, mm. it happens sometimes. It's it's the stale plots that bug me more than anything. Yeah. Who and that's wrote, what happened here. Who wrote this one, actually? Now that I'm uh, about this it. was not Braga, the other guy, uh, Minoski. Minoski. Okay. So oh, yeah, wait. No, sh- no, no. No, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It was Biller. Oh, all right. I am unfamiliar with this name. No, nah, he he's written a bunch of them and mostly crap ones. Okay, so yeah, yeah, should know better. Yeah, we shouldn't expect great things from him, though. I mean, I it's hard to like with Braga. I've seen enough of what he's done, and I see his patterns that I can clearly say mm-hmm. Brandon Braga is almost certainly responsible for this. And I usually read quotes from him praising himself. Oh yeah. But for a lot of these other guys, either they're rewritten or they're just inconsistent or whatever. We, we're talking about this because Joe Monoski was signed to be on the new Trek series. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh boy, that's the guy who wrote Masks, and he's co-written a bunch of really garbage Voyager episodes with Braga. Yeah. But he co-wrote Year of Hell with Braga, which was good uh-huh. for the most part. He wrote and he wrote Darmok. Darmok, yeah. So it's like, I can't just blindly say that guy sucks. Mm-hmm. No, he wrote one of my all-time favorite Star Trek episodes. So I I don't know, man. Yeah. It's just, they're, they're not always all bad or all good. Mostly... I- yeah, they are. But. My my hope is that you know Fuller can like sort of reel him in a little bit and tap into what he's actually what he's good at. You know. Yeah, another Darmok would be great. Yeah, exactly. not, not, I mean, not exactly the same story. Let's go like, back so. to Darmok Planet. And that yeah. should be fun. No, it won't. No, but something that good. Something yeah. that's because I mean we said this before is like a quintessential Star Trek episode. Oh yeah, it was so good. Top five I, uh, TNG episodes. Yeah. Yeah, and honestly, like, when we get to the end of all Star Trek, it's probably going to be in my top ten of everything. Mm-hmm. Like, is that good? Oh, yeah. And it came from the same guy who wrote Masks, which is one of the worst next-gen episodes. Oh, God. Yeah. So, you know, these guys are capable of, of great highs and great lows. Mm-hmm. But this one... Like all humanity. <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> that was deep, man. This is my, uh, this is how we get, this is my uh, Star Trek take on it. <laughs> Uh, what was your bad thing about this episode? Oh, what's my bad? Oh, yeah. So, when he goes undercover, Tuvok goes undercover on an, on an adventure uh, to sell his dark thoughts to dark thoughts uh, fans. You, you use the phrase Detective Tuvok, and I like that in theory. I like him the idea of him going off to solve an adventure but, mm-hmm. or solve a mystery. But in this case, I don't feel like that was. Well, bad. I mean, let's let's, you know, look, I like Tuvok, but Detective Tuvok is no Detective Odo. No, that is true. And I'm well, not just saying that because I prefer Odo, although I no, do. No, he's more of a he's more of a police detective, whereas Odo is more of a private eye detective. There you go. Yeah, that's um, but and Worf it just no. <laughs> but um, he goes undercover. Uh, the the dark thought creeps figure him figure him out, and for a Vulcan, um, that dude gets his ass whipped pretty handily by a couple of pasty assholes with cruelty boners. I was hoping you'd you'd use the phrase cruelty boners. Like, yeah, it's where you were steering away from. Like, no, no, you got a you got a good uh, got a good thing here. Yeah, no, these guys have severe cruelty boners. Yeah, they do. Let's talk about when they go into his, like they do a meld with with Tuvok, and we see his dark thoughts. Yeah, the stock footage. Oh man, the, the just like the montage of like fifteen I... seconds of of like there there's like a gorilla and like a. Like a a, ri- a street riot. What I what like I the the, yeah. There's a there's a street riot. There's some stock. There's some footage cut from an episode of like a dude who's completely engulfed in flames. 
Yeah, there's clearly real life footage mixed in with like stuff from movies. Apparently, like this is true. Apparently, some of that stuff is mm. from the movie Event Horizon. Seriously? Yeah. Oh wow. Which I guess the studio owned or whatever. Like I don't know what the the, the legalities of it is. Mm. But the, some of that footage is from Event Horizon. Which oh, that actually makes that a lot point. of sense. I like that movie. Well, but uh, regardless, it didn't really fit. Like all the stuff in Tuvok's mind did not look like stuff Tuvok ever saw. <laughs> and an angry dog for no reason. <laughs> That's it, a dog. I knew there was, like, an earth animal. It was like a dog just right up in the camera barking at it. Yeah. Maybe he's scared of dogs. And I just, like, man, I know, Tuvok, I realize that you're full of dark thoughts, but I want to pet that dog. Yeah. We all wanted to pet that dog. Yeah. The human yeah, adventure is to pet dogs, Al. Hey, well, it's just beginning, then. We got a lot of dogs to pet. Man, I like the sound of that. Yeah. that That could be what we do after this podcast ends. Just go pet some dogs. The human adventure is Matt petting dogs and avoiding cats. I'll oh, see. I like cats, too. I'll also pet the cats. You can pet all the cats you want. You're welcome to them. I want to pet them both, though. I also want to pet the dogs. Man, I went back to Canada a couple of weeks back, and I got to I got to play with a puppy. It was awesome. Aw, puppies are the best. Right? Uh, I'd rather talk about puppies than this episode. Man, like, like, listen, let's be real clear here. Puppies are great. Yeah. They totally are. Mm-hmm. We've we've had Star Trek episodes with puppies, and they usually derail us. Yeah, they do. <laughs> they usually... love Star Trek, but we love puppies more. Yep. Also, Captain Picard still never played with puppies. Uh, didn't he that one time? Oh shit! You're right. He did. He finally got to play with puppies. I forget when, but uh... I think I think that's when that fact came out. Was when he finally got to. Yeah. And he said, "I've never done this before." I never played with puppies. I'm like, that's so sad. Yeah, that explains so much. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, Jean. JLP. <laughs> you know, Who's that guy, too. You know, you know, John Luck Pickard. Flowers. <laughs> Maybe you should play with some puppies. It would de-stick your ass a little bit. Uh, his ass got de-sticked eventually. That's true. But puppies would have helped the, the process along. That is true. He All wouldn't right, have had gotta... to been like borged up or whatever. <laughs> You got a quote? Uh, I do have a quote. This is from the end of the episode where uh, the doc- with the doctor and Bologna. I just thought I thought this was cute. Fortunately, the Mari didn't get very far with the procedure. You can return to duty, Lieutenant, though perhaps with one or two fewer violent engrams in that fiery head of yours. <laughs> it's all right, Doc. There are plenty more where those came from. Yeah, I mean, I don't, like, were they trying to make it sound like Bologna was a bad person for having, like, they might have thought they might have been that might have like I I wouldn't put it past them to just be all like she's got violent thoughts because she's a Klingon. She's not like us cool humans. I'm pretty sure most humans when presented with a lout mm-hmm. think think something vaguely violent, not like not not anything you would act on, maybe even something subconscious. But like there's a little bit of that fight or flight and sometimes your brain chooses fight. I don't know, For man. A brief second. You're like, yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. I'm Canadian. If a, if a lout smashes into me, I tend to just apologize to him. Well, that's flight. It's what? either step up and fight or back down and run away. Sorry, I was where, sorry, I was in the way of where you were walking at a at a brisk pace, not looking out for things that might be in your way. This is hey, all my wa- fault. <laughs> hey, watch where I'm going. Yeah, yeah. All right. Goddamn lout. <laughs> See, the 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 nice thing though is most Canadians are like that, so you don't actually get a lot of louts. I'm no, not saying there aren't any. Oh, no, look, look, Canada has, certainly has its share of louts, but it's less louts than you'd expect. Yeah, no, the the, the, the louts per million is substantially lower. Mm-hmm. And they're all clustered along the border. Right. Actually, all of Canada's clustered along the border. That's a fun fact. Yeah, it's not very fun. <laughs> the middle is almost completely hollow. <laughs> For Canada is hollow and I have touched the louts. <laughs> All right. Anything else? Uh, no, I think we're done here. Very well. Uh, next week, as as I mentioned, uh, I personally had only ever seen, like, I, I kind of gave up watching week to week after, like, season two. But uh, after Year of Hell, this is all uncharted to me until the finale. Like, mm-hmm. there's nothing else I have seen. So this is all brand new to me. So that'll be interesting. Yeah. I came back for the rock episode, but that's about it. Oh, uh, yeah. That guy. Yeah. Our, our pal Scott will be joining us for that. That's, yes, he will. That's season seven. Or no, excuse me, season six. That's quite some time away still. Mm-hmm. Not until uh, 2017. Uh, next week, though, uh, our, our friend Ben uh, of the uh, acclaimed comic Poop Office. Ah, yes. Re- rejoining us. So uh, look forward to that. Uh, but until then, Matt, please say your thing. See you, folks. 
The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2016. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this.